0: Music. Reviews.
1: Chat. Poems. Comedy. Writing. Interviews. EFM,
2: It's radio for so
1: much more.
0: Hello!
3: Welcome to the Vandal Factory Radio Show. My
0: name is Henry Raby. And
3: my name's Natalie Quatermass and together we are Vandal Vandal Factory. Factory. And you are our little Vandal Raptors. How are you doing? Hello little Raptors. How are you Henry?
0: I'm alright, thank you. Yeah, it feels like February went on for a billion years.
3: Really? I think it went in a flash.
0: Do you know what someone said to me? We were chatting... Because the perception is that February is shorter at 28 days because it comes after a January where you're a bit skint. You actually spend more in January because you think, oh, I can, I can, I can like Mm. spend a little bit more because there's only not as many months for when I get paid again or, you know, my budget's reset. Right. So actually everyone just gets really skint again in February because...
3: I see, I see. Ah, well, some of us don't get paid monthly, so I wouldn't know (laughs) what that feels like. Some of us (laughs) don't get
0: paid. (laughs)
3: Uh, Ah. What what have you been up to recently?
0: Um, I, on Friday, went to see uh, Rob Orton, who is a stand-up comedy poet. Um, I love Rob Orton. He's like a shambolic man-mountain of a bloke, (laughs) and he does... Like, surreal, offbeat humour. And it—it it, it basically, he should have been in the 80s. He feels like he's, oh, he should have he's brilliant. Um, grown up in the alternative comedy scene. And he's deadpan, but he has this whimsical take on the world. But <laughs> I saw him in York, and he's originally from a small village near York. So it's packed with all his friends and family. So, so, like, you know, his sister wasn't back after the interval. Cause she was, I don't know... Doing something whatever. else, <laughs> Well doing it's fine. She do whatever <laughs> yeah. he wants. but like he like sat in her seat, for example, and that was very very funny. Very so like good. it's it, and it's very emotional. Like his show, the crowd show, is all about people, and he loves he loves people, and oh. all the people were in the room. So that was and that was all very emotional. It,
3: and uh, at the beginning, regular listeners will know. At the beginning of every show, we always check in with how our hope and how mm. our anger is. Am I um, correct in assuming that? Rob's show was full of hope. Yeah, he's... Did you get your hope a-swarming?
0: Yeah, yeah, he does this, like... He always ends on this big emotional thing and, like, he he says to the other and so much is just being very silly and a bit deaf, but there's a bit when he's like, I love doing this, I love doing oh. this. And he's like... No, I'm like really genuinely like <laughs> I love doing this. Like, thank you. And um, there's a joke like loads of people do it, bands do it, and comedians have like, thanks for coming because otherwise this would have been a bit weird me on my <laughs> yeah. own doing this if you weren't here. But like, he's yeah, you know, the show is about just like being in a space doing this, isn't it great? Oh. Um, so yeah, it was it was yeah, f- f- quite a lot of hope in there, but hope for just like it's just nice to go to a. Nice old comedy gig at Forty One Monkgate, Brilliant. Which I used to be a trustee of.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was also um had the pleasure of going to see some theatre in since our last podcast record
0: and Let's had- worse and cry for Harry, England and St George.
3: It was Macbeth. I don't know why you're Um, quoting that. uh, I'm only joking. uh, It was Henry V. I went to see it at Leeds Playhouse. And uh, it was fab. It was absolutely brilliant. I was not in the mood for a big, (laughs) chewy, um, history, tragedy um, Shakespeare. But it was a really good, choppy um, twist on the story with just excellent actors. And it did what I love i I love Shakespeare productions when they just put the story first, put the characters first, get everything out the way, and the design and the production and stuff was just like simple mm. creative choices that were just really pleasing and enjoyable um but the first first half was less than an hour, second half was less than fifty minutes, so it was like it was it was a choppy for a mm. Shakespeare um and and what I, I didn't know much about Henry V, but all I knew was it's kind of oh, it's the bravado one mm-hmm. where he goes, we would do that he goes, for do that. Harry, for England, lads, mm-hmm. lads, lads, and England. it's he goes over to France to prove that he's got massive. Am I allowed to say the b word?
0: He goes to have a war. Yeah, yeah, goes, but for his ego. But yeah. that's
3: what I mean. Um, whereas this interpretation of the character was um, more like. That actually, he, that was a huge bravado that he was keeping up, and it was exhausting, and he was racked with guilt. It was like Hamlet meets mm. meets Henry the Fifth. Um, so it did look at kind of the the impact of the male psyche when keeping up yeah. this. We will win. We will conquer. We will be... I'm flawless. I ne- I don't feel pain. Yeah. All of that. He burst into tears at the end of every scene. <laughs> oh, bloody hell. So they it was t- great. They turned really
0: turn Henry V into a snowflake. Yeah, yeah. Ridiculous. <laughs> um and would it make you hopeful slash angry or just ready to open... Uh, yeah, no, so it's, well? it's
3: pretty angry. Yeah. Pretty. There's quite a lot of like, oh, yeah... Monarchy's rubbish, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah, Shakespeare knew monarchy was rubbish, even though he was writing plays for them. That's my interpretation, anyway.
0: Do you know I did a bit of Vandal Factory admin? Oh yeah, and uh, your favourite, I, I um, uh, made sure our website, the domain name, mm. was uh, was all up to date and paid for. So VandalFactory dot is uh, is up and running now. My mistake was that I'd already paid for VandalFactory.co.uk, so, oh. and I didn't realise it. Just was like I didn't. I misunderstood the subscription stuff. So if you go to either VandalFactory.co.uk or VandalFactory.com, it's the same website. So
3: we'll we'll pay for we're paying for two things. Well,
0: I'm paying for two things, right? Which is why I've brought along. Something I found recently, (laughs) which is the old Vandal Factory patches. Um, So we made these patches because we're a cool, punky theatre company. Yeah. And if you want a patch of Vandal Factory theatre company slash podcast to put on your backpack, to put on your jacket, to sew onto your trousers. Yeah. Other other. Well, there's a whole there's a whole, available. Like,
3: massive... You, I know you can't see it, but Henry's got like a whole sheet. The the patches haven't been like cut up yet. Listen to um, the sheets. Yeah. yeah. So if you were to buy all the patches, you could then make <laughs> it into some kind of curtain, uh, a cape. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Um, a, a tea towel. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. A banner. Ooh. Um, what I'm saying is if you want one and you're enjoying the show and you want to sling a bit of money or support our way... Just drop us an email, vandalfactorytheatre at gmail.com. Excellent. Uh, So we're going to have a track now. Um, So it's a York band uh, and they've just put out a new EP. They're called The Bricks. And this song is Reverse Alchemy. (laughs)
3: Um, drum like fill at flourish. the end. Dum, dum, ba, dum, bum.
0: That was great. Really I enjoyed it. I really like um, lead singer Gemma because sometimes she sells me board games and comic books in Traveling Man York.
3: That's what you demand of all your musicians, isn't <laughs> it? <laughs> yeah.
0: it's the, unfortunately, Joe Strummer died before I could buy oh. any um, comic books off him. I'm sorry, Joe Strummer died, Henry. But I, I like Dan. <laughs> well. Yeah, thank you. It still hurts. <laughs> no. I like dancing to The Clash. And I tell you, I did a bit of dancing with some other legends ah, lately. Nice. Um Our good friends in Bolshe CIC, mm. um, who are a trio of absolute legendary women who are doing some social research into making uh, dance floors and nights out safer for everyone.
3: Yeah, we've got Paula, Lizzie and Megan who are... Um, Yeah, as Henry says, really good friends of ours. And I think they're excellent examples of um, brilliant, creative women who were getting really frustrated with all this fantastic work that they were doing and then hitting barriers and ceilings that, that they were getting frustrated. They couldn't do the work that they wanted to do. And so... Uh, a couple of years ago went, right, we're going to work together and just do it ourselves. DIY, DIY and stop asking permission. Um, So I love them and I can't wait to hear this interview.
1: Uh, Hi, I'm Lizzie uh, and I am the Associate Director of Bolshe CIC. And I'm Megan and I'm the Creative
4: Producer of Bolshe CIC.
5: Hi, I'm Paula Clark and I'm Creative
1: Director of Bolshey C-I-C Bolshee is a creative projects company based in York and it's all about um, involving everyone but especially empowering, empowering women and girls um, and also just having a really great time um, with a lens of social justice Okay, so the Dance Floor Project is a really exciting
4: collaboration between Bolshe and York St John University uh, so we're working with psychology researchers and the All About Respect team at the university and um, In association with the Institute for Social Justice, and we are popping up an interactive dance floor around York. Our first one's at York St John, which is here tonight. That's here. Uh, That's That's here. here. We're here. Um, And then we'll be popping up at the Crescent at University of York and at Street Life Hub on Coney Street. Um, And it's all about having a great time, but making sure people feel safe in public spaces and exploring how we can develop strategies together to make
0: everyone feel safe. So everyone's having a lot of fun, but not least you guys, because you've come glammed up. Can you tell us about, I don't know, because it's like almost a theatre project. It feels like you're in costume, but you're, yeah. Do you think, well, if you want to describe your look and I don't know how you came to choose this this outfit for this project.
1: Um, so, yes, when we um, uh, come and do these uh, uh, events, it's always we always want to like feel good as well. So um, we love a little bit of sparkle here at Bolshe. So we've currently got um, sparkly glitter on our cheeks. We've got bold lips. We've got sparkly um, tops, partly shorts. We've got leopard print. We've got bright pink. We've got silver. And, yeah, it just kind of feel like... Um, it's kind of like a bit like a costume because it's what we would we want to wear all the time we want to wear sparkles and glitter and sparkly things and leopard print all the time but, so we do it for bullshit
0: I find it quite hard to like stand still while all this, this music's going how many of these have you run and how do you keep your energy going throughout the evening
4: uh, so we did one at York Design Week in October uh, which was like a test run um, we've got pints of pepsi on the go at the minute which are helping the sugar rush maintain but we have to load the dance floor into a van and then out again and then into it again and then out of it but we're just really strong and um really love it so (laughs)
1: also the music helps it's always like we we take requests from the participants but you also put some bangers in that we like so we can keep going um and bring the party really
0: what are your dance floor top floor fillers for you personally
1: oh my goodness my top what how many do you want top one one uh, the top
0: one the, top the one.
1: one the one. Oh come back um the oh, top no. one um uh the top one for me at the moment i don't want to distracting me henry i'm really sorry this is the point where paul is dancing around in the corner <laughs> um my banger would be go
5: to number one Tori Amos Professional Widow. everything
6: A honey, bring it close to your lips, yes. What is gender landslide? I've up above proportion, boy. It's gotta be big.
0: What are your first memories of going out to dance floors and clubbing? And do they inform? This project?
5: Good question, Henry. I was going to dance floors in the 90s where there was a lot of... Uh, there was a lot of lad culture, ladette culture, and it kind of meant that everything was a free-for-all. Nothing actually felt very safe at all. Um, you were grabbed, groped, shouted at, catcalled, snogged, without your consent at all times on the dance floor, and it was just... It's just the way it was, and it's not like now would this even be like a thing
4: i just don't know that's awful and like shockingly it is still a thing like my first times at dance floors like very much the 2000s and like awful you're trying to have a great night and then some Guy thinks that he can just snog you out of the blue without your consent or you even acknowledging his existence and it's just so infuriating and puts a dampener on your whole evening. Um, So it is still happening and we're trying to sort that out all together.
0: So this is, so you're gathering people's stories, their experiences, their thoughts, their demands where do you see this project going? Is it create a show? Is it a piece? Is it, um, where's this research leading to?
4: So a show was our first thought. Um, and Probably that would be an amazing thing to do, to take all of that sort of knowledge and turn it into something that's gonna make people think about it. Um, but we also want to work on a sort of co-created campaign. So whether it's some beautiful artwork based on stories and experiences and people's prevention strategies and we plaster that on toilet doors in every nightclub or on trains or whatever it is to make people stop and think about how they're behaving and about the perpetrator's behaviour not the victim's behaviour.
5: Also the thing about Bolshe is we are not a theatre company we do not do shows in traditional theatre spaces? We might do. We might do that. But what we want to do are create projects that feel like they're um, vibrant. They're relevant. They need to happen right now. And that creative project could be anything from a pop up dance floor to um, a to a, a workshop to a takeover of an open mic to a, a, a DJ project which might be coming up so it it takes any form but it's about it's about being active and not um going away and taking some money from uh you know whoever that governing body might be and going "Mm, let's spend some time mulling that over and la 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 it's let's just do it now let's get on its feet and let's get everybody involved i just want to ask one last
0: question and that is why is it that as people that worked in theatre and dance that you go, actually, we don't want to be a theatre company. We want to be out there in different spaces. Like, what was that impetus, that thrust?
5: It's because we want to do what we want to do, Henry. We want to do what we want to do, and we want to have a really good time doing it.
1: And we want to include everyone to bring them along on that journey so we can all uh, do it together. And we're (laughs) we're rebels. (laughs) I, I, thought my, I thought of my I thought of my I thought of my um DJ Anthem question now. Okay. I, I feel like it's past it.
0: What's your top banger?
1: My top banger at the moment is uh, Lizzo's Are You Ready? Because I'm always ready. Oh am I ready? Am I ready? Am
0: I ready? Am I ready? your top banger
4: on the, at the end of all the dance floor projects we do get on the floor I don't know if it's even called that it but it, it goes get on the floor oh. and then everyone joins in for the last bit and it's nice Henry what's your banger
1: yeah Henry what's your banger killing
0: in the name of by rage against the machine <laughs> June. <laughs> yeah. June
6: that's going probably, not actually, it's probably
0: like <laughs> some like obscure folk punk song about being <laughs> sad
5: what would Nat's banger be
0: um a uh, probably real big fish. Um yeah. Uh. Big fish. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh okay,
5: come okay, on, come in. Right, come on, on go.
4: Get on the floor. Get on the floor.
0: interviewing and editing there dare I say if
3: there's anyone listening to that who's not like absolutely dancing around having a little boogie wherever you're listening from I beg your pardon thank you so much to Lizzie Paula Anna, and Megan for for taking the time to chat to Henry there sounds like a brilliant project yeah Uh, so
0: just a little bit of context I suppose just to say that as well as the dance floor that they takes some ages to load in and out as well as play music. There's big screens up where people can write their experiences and their stories. There's a space because it's based on York. There's a big map of York and it's like, where do you feel safe? Where do you feel unsafe? Mm. So they're, they're sort of asking these questions carefully, but in a fun environment. Like it, yeah. it's, it's it's research, and um, but it's done in a creative way, I'd say. Yeah. And they're going to be doing stuff at the Crescent Community Venue, um, yeah, and and uh, I think it's like refreshing to not know where it's really going to lead. They're not like going, mm. and and we will be producing this specific yeah, yeah. thing. We'll have to touch base with them. That's in a year's research time. for you. Yeah, you know baby. End.
3: That's really exciting. It sounds great.
0: Hey, Nat, do you like dancing?
3: I do like dancing. Yeah.
0: What? What? Sorry, you looked at me during that interview the first time you heard it and you were like,
3: Real Big Fish, what do you on about? I know, you absolutely sold me down the, the Swanee with I that. You say with, there's a problem uh, with scarpunk No, absolutely. I do like Real Big Fish, but it was like, oh, Nut likes Real Big Fish. And then there was just a gap, a pause where everyone went, oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, and mm. I was like, oh, thanks. I'm not even there to, like, name a banger that those, the, that lot would go, um, which there was plenty. I tell you what, it reminded me of um, during the lockdown. Me and particularly Lizzie and Paul. I think Megan came along once. We we were sick and tired of being sick and tired, and so jumped on Zoom and started exercising together <laughs> yeah. and just bringing um, different YouTube videos for like s- the sillier the dancing the better to kinda of little videos. We did Bollywood, we did aerobics, we did all kinds of and Paula had a broken leg, so we did some sitting down and I'm too bendy, so we did some crunching and like it was really good fun. So there I can thoroughly um recommend that everyone goes and checks out Bolshe follow them on social media where can they find them on social media Henry
0: they're not on Twitter but they do use Instagram. Facebook and the gram yeah all excellent about the gram. so
3: give them a follow and check them out and um, and I'm really excited to see what they
0: do next lovely stuff um, do you have any trauma to share about <laughs> dancing <laughs> going on dance floors and nights out as a as a woman
3: wow I really thought you were gonna ask that with a bit more tact. um do you know what rather than like obviously everything they said about being grabbed and groped and catcalled and all of that is is totally part of the experience um but one of the most uh the times that popped to mind when when I heard this interview was in my first year at university so I've been 18 19 and it was one of the first times that I'd been out with freshers and uh new group of people feeling quite insecure everyone's dancing in a club and one of the lads on my course came up to me and says it's really funny because no one's dancing with you because you dance like a feminist and i and you know when you can't hear it, it's quite loud so you're like what what are you saying and what? he like repeated this yeah, phrase yeah. so yeah. it like echoes around my mind and i really didn't know at the time like certainly i wouldn't have called myself a feminist at the time i wouldn't have known that language so that much um, I wasn't trying. I was desperately trying to fit in, not dance in a way that was like, it, it, you know, it, the insinuation is that that's off-putting, isn't it? Um, so you're,
0: you're taking up too much space. Yeah, you're, yeah. You're, you're you're dancing like you want the vote. Yeah,
3: <laughs> I'm dancing. I guess like, maybe it does mean you're you're dancing like no one's watching, which I probably was. Like I can Im- yeah. remember thinking that's how. To, like, imagine that no one's watching so that you can feel a bit more comfortable, you know. And he's picked mm-hmm. up on that and then decided to comment on it. Yeah. And this was a nice, nice person. You know, he didn't, well, he I don't know, like an ignorant little boy, but he didn't mean no harm. Mm. Um, But it was just these little ways of kind of putting someone in the place, making them feel smaller for taking up some
0: space. Or that, like, you you know, here's your label. Now, this is... Yeah, you're the... the you're you're the, the feminist now, actually. That's the, what you yeah. are. Yeah, I was the than, fu-
3: yeah. funny northerner on my course at uni. but um, Funny. Yeah, it's funny that these comments... And um, he could make that in any space. So maybe that's an interesting thing to think about when we're talking about safe spaces is it's is, is actually comments and um language that's used can be said anywhere and at any time so Mm. then how we we negotiate a new kind of language um or just explore the impact that certain language and comments can have on people um is also like part of how we make spaces safe Mm. um yeah good stuff
0: He's doing his own thing! Well, I have a little poem that I wrote many moons ago.
3: I thought you were going to say, well, I have some trauma to share as well. (laughs) Thanks for sharing.
0: No, like, they're encouraging us, HETSIS men, to to put their experiences and, you know, I, I wrote a little thing on the walls, but like... I just don't really like going out to clubs because I don't really like the music. And in terms of gig venues, like as a as a sort of scrawny bloke other than a little bit, come on, lads, let's not mosh. The one thing I do remember is being in a pit. This is like over 10 years ago. And, and one of the punks had literal nails in their um, denim jacket um, shoulders. Oh, and like, they were like literal um, nails sticking up, like not just like studs, yeah. like nails, and they were like jumping up and down. I was like, "That's ridiculous." Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so I'm sorry to be the uh, the punk police here, but that's that's ridiculous. Um, but I know that there's loads of experiences of um, of women in in rock, punk, emo scenes of like being being afraid to mosh or to, to crowd surf because of being touched and groped. And there's loads of great organisations out there like Safer's, safer safer gigs for women. Uh, it's a documentary that my mate uh, Susie made years ago called uh, uh, Which ba- Which Band Is Your Boyfriend In? Which mm. is about women in bands. So, yeah, this also falls not just in the sphere of going out to, to, to clubs and pop music, but it's also in like, yeah, hey, sexism exists everywhere. <laughs> anyway, so I've got a poem. Oh, yeah. Correct. Um, I wrote it many years ago, but it's about dancing and it's about being watched oh. and listened to and been and saying well we don't care if you're going to watch us we're going to dance anyway and it's called if i can't skank it's not my revolution and it goes like this silence is a voyeur i want to break it with the same passion as when bricks meet glass and lips meet megaphones you have not been speaking for fear of someone else secretly recording in silence at distance, so we are paralysed on this bedroom floor, entwined like tangled cassette tape, waiting for dawn or a knock at the door. And the silence will either be broken by the sound of sirens, boots or tunes. So we examine the CDs or mixed tracks with names such as Picket Line Emergency, Anti-Disney, Girls write better than boys. One CD made in 2003 says Tony and George put away your toys. 999 is a joke and the last CD is called Anger and Hope. So we take a chance with shuffle mode like tarot cards? Take your shoes off and let's dance because if they're really spying on us, if the police and the government, if they're really listening and watching, let's give them something to watch. Let's defy with our feet to the moving of our legs. Let's be defiant from our toes to our heads. Let's be rebels from the waist down and up. Our feet march with hate and dance with love. As each song unfolds, these lines of bodies are lost in tones. Your flesh, your gender all become notes. So let's roar with the stamping of our feet. Make earthquakes to rattle the gates of power. Tear down citadels with this upbeat beat. We tap messages. Our toes are war drums. Our arms are flailing and scraping the ceiling. There's a battle plan behind this wiggling bum. So wake up the neighbours. Wake up the nation. If I can't skank, it's not my revolution. Each shape we throw is like a battle stance, the revolution rumba, the comrade conga, never mind the safety dance, this is a subversive dance. And all the books sit unopened, it's the music which inspires, like the strike samba, the solidarity shuffle, like the raising of a banner, we turn the volume higher. Every tiny pinprick of power sung in those songs seeps into our heads, so we finally When the final track ends and we slump victorious on the bed, we have said all that needs to be said, stamped as much as needed to be danced and the foundations have been rattled and any bug in the room has heard our chorus chants. We close the curtains through fear but now they are open wide and pour morning light inside as we embrace each other, as we embrace silences. As mere pauses between action and action. In the silence we have created, tired but smiling, the pride in our noise subsides, we become private. There are secrets hidden inside the CD cases. Listen closely to the silences between tracks. That is the sound of lovers and friends facing each other and then the world and then dancing.
3: Very good. Excellent. Ooh, it's exceedingly good. It's
0: nice to read a one that, like, is finished. Normally I read a a, a draft and sort of work in progress and that's from my 2018 collection of poetry.
3: I know, I was going to bring it up for you so you didn't have to do it yourself. No, I plug plug myself all the time. (laughs) Where can people buy your book of poems, Henry? I'll
0: pop it on Etsy. Okay. Etsy's the one.
3: Great. Great What's next?
0: So I think we've had a little bit of music Mm -hmm. and we've had a little bit of talk of dancing Mm -hmm. but I think what we really need is the absolute audacity to have Nats where's the jingle? (sighs) (laughs) who does his own thing things not twice a disabled person oh here he is I think it's time for another banger because every single song you own is a banger It's time for Nat's Banger of the Hour. Bangers?
3: Is it a banger? Yes, it is time for the Banger of the Hour. I'm sticking with our Smashing the Patriarchy theme because this podcast is going out uh, in the first week of March, so that is also the same time as International Women's Day. So I thought we'd have a, a feminist awesome banger and this is by gap tooth and it's called the post patriarchy disco
0: provocation
6: station choo 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 come on in (laughs) (laughs) now
0: the the chat train didn't uh, stop off at Vandal Factory Station last week because we had such a busy packed episode Mm. so we decided to have an extra special extended Natter with Natalie about (laughs) provocation
3: Yeah, that, that'll do, Henry. Contractually I contractually obligated. Amazing, amazing event um, a couple of weeks ago. And it was a book launch uh, in conversation. Dougal Hind, uh no, not without the D, Dougal Hine with Lydia Cattrall, who's another good friend and artist of ours. And Dougal Hine's a really interesting, wonderful writer and thinker who... Um, I hadn't, I'll be honest, I haven't heard much about him at all and then he spent the whole evening I was just spellbound by how wise and brilliant. So we're going to share some clips from that uh event tonight and then and um and discuss our thoughts and relate what Dougal was saying at uh, at that event with with sort of our practice and what's going on in Seacroft. See what connections we can make. But this this event um, was at Mill Hill Chapel, which is right in Leeds City Centre, opposite um, the the train station, and it's a really old chapel that's over three hundred years old. It's utilitarian church, which means like all different kinds of. Um, faith users and, and different um, religious exploration goes on in this space. So that was a really cool place to be in as well as like interesting cultural events go on there too. Um, and also I think Dougal Hine is an ex- a rare example of someone who is a white Englishman, um, Oxbridge educated, who I was happy and delighted to listen to talking about climate change because he threaded through every single sentence and story that he said he was referencing other thinkers and female indigenous speakers and he was always talking about how his conversations with other people so he was he was it was an example of very good allyship and and someone who had clearly um thought a lot about his position in the world. And so it it was incredibly wise and really inspiring. Um, One of the first things he started to talk about, or one of the points we're going to hone in on, is the work of Fredico Campagna um, and his work and how how he'd inspired uh, uh, Dougal Hine. So that's this first clip that we're going to hear now.
2: I found that Federico was speaking in you know, different language in terms of his reference points, the people he'd read, the kind of people he was writing for, but that we had some really powerful resonances between his work and what I'd been trying to say in the book. And the bit that really struck a chord with me was he said, sometimes you are born into the ending of a world. Sometimes you're born into a, the ending of a world. This is a thing that happens. It has happened before. Worlds have ended, worlds do end. He said, how do you notice if it is your fate to have been born into the ending of a world? Well, one symptom of it is that the future doesn't work anymore because the future in the ordinary sense, the future in the way that politicians might try to talk about the future in a speech to mobilize people and bring people together around collective projects That future is an extension of the story we're already in. It's a projection forward from the recent past through the present to something to come that has some kind of continuity that belongs within the same story, that has the same logic. When a world is coming to an end, the arc of its story is reaching its end. So when people try and project it outwards, that doesn't sound convincing anymore. And I think that a lot of what we've witnessed, the sort of morbid symptoms in Gramsci's terms of politics in the last 10 years in various countries, including Sweden, has a quality of belonging to a time when the future no longer works. I quote Anthony Barnett, the founder of Open Democracy, who was a great friend of John Burgess, in the book. Anthony wrote a fabulous book about Brexit and the election of Donald Trump, which was the most thoughtful and sympathetic book written by somebody who had voted Remain, you know, seriously looking at what was going on there rather than getting stuck in the kind of defensive cliches that are often part of how people have talked about those events. And one thing he says is, you know, those two slogans, take back control and make America great again. The most important words in those slogans are back and again. It's the power of the appeal to the past. Mm. And we've also seen people on the left who have attempted to reboot the future in the last 10 years. In a sense, some of the people around the Corbyn Project were trying in good faith to do that. You know, somebody like Paul Mason, um, his books has tried to do that. But I don't think it works because that's not the nature of the, the moment. That's not the key that the music is in now. It's not the nature of the moment we're in. But what do you do? So Federico Campagna says, if it is your discernment that you have been born into the ending of the world into which you were born, then maybe what you do is you stop worrying so much about trying to make sense according to the logic of the world that is ending and start looking for ways to make good ruins start having one eye on what will be left behind, because lots of things are gonna be left behind by the world that is ending. And of course, some of them are toxic legacies that'll be there for 10,000 years or more. But there are also other things that will be picked up, turned around, used in ways we can't imagine now, but will be legacies of the world whose ending I'm suggesting we were born into.
3: Wow, a lot to unpick there, isn't there? There is so much wisdom and thoughts to think about with every sentence that he says. But some key things that I want to draw out of that. Um, Sometimes you're born into the end of a world. Wow. When I heard that, (laughs) (laughs) my whole life made sense. Like I really had a moment of, oh, right. Okay. Okay. That's why this doesn't feel like it makes sense. Mm. Why that these like I, you know regular listen to the show means we will know that we talk about mental health quite a lot and this sort of ex experiential no is that the word uh existential no existential existential dread yeah. that's sort of blooming under lots of generations but certainly mine and. Henry's experience as millennials is is based on the world not quite making sense and trying to always find a, a version of the future that we can cling on to.
0: It, it, it feels like we are, we lurch from a crisis to another crisis mm-hmm. and the grown-ups who were meant to be in charge mm-hmm. uh, just just sort of are fine. Yeah. <laughs> seem, they seem fine, yeah. and it feels like that. Yeah, younger generations are just living in a crisis. It's it, whereas people on the in the in the towers, and when I say towers, I mean middle class suburbia. are like, well, what's the problem? Yeah. Um, but then I guess the wheel changes. So now the Gen Xers mm. are the ones who are in the middle class suburbia. So maybe us millennials will be the ones in control and then the gen but like yeah to so just to agree with this it just feels like I have no hold over the world, no control, no plan, no mm. structure. And you look at the people that either caused the crises or are meant to navigate us through and just seem to certainly in a in a post he mentioned the, the Corbin project. In a post twenty nineteen I don't really see any solutions.
3: Yeah. There's um there was actually in another part of the evening talks about the grown-ups mm. and um we didn't we don't have time to share that i could have shared this whole speech it's, it's like 2 hours guys just i say... really recommend you going to youtube yes, you... and checking out Dougal Hind at without the d Dougal Hine. Yeah. um and if you say Leeds or or the book by the way is called at work in the ruins mm. so um go buy the book and read it it's really fantastic um, and you can check out this this whole evening
0: on on the YouTube stream. Um, so yeah, the, the, no control, and therefore no future. Um, which you know, the Sex Pistols were singing in in the late seventies, no future for you. But yeah, how do you in this how do late you make stage sense? capitalism world well, make sense?
3: Which what then makes sense to me? Why in so. M- so much in the last couple of years i've gone back to um what is often referred to as quiet activism like gardening and community really grassroots how do we just make this sense make make this world mm. make sense it makes sense if i'm planting seeds it makes sense if i'm growing food it makes sense if that i'm sharing that food with my neighbors and they can feed themselves and their children that makes sense to me so that's what i'll do and breaking it down into those terms Because looking any further forward, suddenly we get lost. And I don't quite believe all these various different futures and trajections. Because ultimately, the world as we know it, not the world as a whole, the world as we know it, is coming to an end. And that's that's what we've been born into. Mm. Um, Let's have a little look at our second clip from Mr Hind, where he talks about modernity. So can we... um, uh, this He used this word modernity, modernity, maternity throughout the night and I had to uh, do a quick Google and check out what that word means. Can you inform the listeners, please, Henry?
0: So dictionary definition of modernity, the quality or condition of being modern. Uh, so uh, the example is a modern way of thinking, of working. So Hobbes was a genius of modernity. So it's this question of what does it mean to exist in, in the present, in the in the modern day?
2: And one of the things that kind of came to me in that work was that art and the arts and this, you know, the cultural sector or whatever we call it, within modernity has had a special role. It's been this enclave in modern societies where the things you do are not fully expected to make sense in the ways that everybody else in just about every other field has to justify their work to spreadsheets and productivity and efficiency. And this is part of why artists are sometimes so hated. It's part of why it's so easy for tabloids to, you know, whip up anger at some ridiculous art project that's received funding. Is because it's a double-edged thing if you have this artistic license that you get to access that funding. Of course, the reality for nearly everybody who has that is that you tend to live in a condition of precarity. But it's a privileged form of precarity. And you have to be aware, I think, of the, that double-edgedness that if you are unaware, if you're not conscious of the extent to which you have a strange kind of freedom that hardly anyone else in society gets to have, at least in the parts of their life where they might get paid some money, if you're unaware of that, you can be very offensive by accident, let's say. But... Uh, In Federico Campagna's terms, this thing of, you know, the logic of uh, stop trying to make sense according to the logic of the world that is ending and start trying to leave good ruins. Well, artistic organisations and projects, especially the smaller ones that are held together as much by love and mutuality and relationships as they are by the bits of funding that they sometimes manage to get hold of, have a special position. They can be portals between the world that is ending and presently unimaginable worlds that might come after precisely because they don't have to make sense. They don't have to justify themselves as rigorously to the logics of economic rationality Mm. as nearly every other kind of organization does. So just that bit of Federico's work helped me make sense of why I kept getting drawn back to working with artists
3: I mean, my ears pricked up as soon as he started talking about small um, small arts organisations. And then quickly, when he starts talking about us uh, not quite needing to justify ourselves in the same way as artists, um, I do feel a little bit defensive over that. I'm like, I don't, I don't feel, maybe I'm not aware of my privilege that he discusses of um, needing, I feel like we have to do quite a lot of how many... How many people have we served and what's the point in this and what's the the purpose? And I think it, it's happening more and more and more in the last 10 years. So maybe that's a, a distinction of generations as well of like, you know, I've been around making work professionally for, what, 14 years? And then that year I've had to make myself accountable to lots of funding bodies and etc. Um Yeah. So there's an element of that. But then there's also it made me think of, gosh, like to bring it back to um, International Women's Day. And um, I'm pretty decided that I'm not going to have children. A lot of my people my age are fairly convinced that they're also not going to have children. The millennials are not... (laughs) and not reproducing (laughs) and I've never really been able to articulate why like I can give lots of rational reasons but those rational reasons have existed for a long time Um, and there's something about leaving good ruins that Mm. just really chimed with something quite core that this sense of like this is ending Mm. and not passing that on Really chimed with me. That's making absolutely zero judgment on anyone else who makes different choices. But they're just, you know, that's why I'm glad that writers and artists exist in the world, so that they can say things that you've probably felt and lived in your body for such a long time. And then it takes someone else to to say it in a particular way, and you go, "Oh, that makes sense to me. That makes sense to me now."
0: I love this phrase. Good. Ruins, yeah, and, like and the work more, to yeah. be
3: done in the good ruins yeah. is is um, a sense that this wasn't something else they talked about. Um, that someone asked the question, "Well, does that let us off the hook?" This mm. sense of like, "Well, the world's ending, so can we go into a hey hey, nothing matters?" Mm. Um, but we're still gonna only this world as we know it is ending, and there's still gonna be stuff left behind. So there is still work to be done. In what, how we think about moving forward and that sort of moving forward not thinking about yourself and your future but what is the impact of what you leave behind it's sort of looking forward to look back which just that makes so much sense to me um yeah I could I could just go on all time but what one one more thing I was thinking about was As storytellers and and story makers and Vandal Factory, we've worked on, like, the last project, theatre project we were going to work on before lockdown, was English Dirt. And that was looking at the history of English land ownership in the UK. And that Mm -hmm. the whole sort of premise of that show was, we're looking back in order to make sense of our present. Mm. Um, And it's... This this book and this talk has really made me start to th- question how we use historical stories and how we start talking about the future. Um, we also talked as well about like centering the self and being obsessed with telling our own stories in the West, and yeah. um, us us needing to kind of get over it and needing something, needing ritual, needing mm. emotion, needing. Um, there's various things that we can do as a community that kind of allow us to express ourselves but we don't get bogged down in constantly telling our own personal story (laughs) which really puts a spanner in the works of the stuff we do
0: (laughs) Um, out of these conversations we've had over the various months in the show like I've come to two conclusions, one that I love writing poetry about the past uh, and <laughs> if you tune into episode 3 as a poem I do about the, the 1800s and the Luddites and the Diggers and the radical revolution stuff there and um, I still do that poem a lot but I'm reflecting and I've got several poems about history and radical history and an erased working class history but the more I write about that stuff the more I go, I need to write about now in the future and secondly this idea of the the solo performer, well I've done that for you know, over 10 years now. of, And I'll, I'll always get up on stage and I facilitate solo people getting to tell their story. But I am like... We just don't have enough stages for everybody to get up and tell their own personal story. And I've sort of told my story now. So
3: So that was the other moment that I wanted to find. And we couldn't find it because we're going (laughs) to run out of time. But um, Dougal talks of um, it's an indigenous person, a storyteller who says, you you white people are so uh, obsessed with telling your own story. I just I just worry that um, we're going to run out of time. And and then talks about the use of ritual yeah. and, and as that being a collective way in which we can share trauma or mm. note a moment or initiation or... Cultural mo- markations in in our world as we make sense of this world. I think that's what it's mm. it's all coming down to. is how we make sense of our place in this world.
0: Because because I think you know poetry open Mic, Someone gets up and they share their story about their experiences, and someone in the else go. You've you've framed that for me. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. I've connected. I understand what, that is a sharing space, but um, that model of of. Uh, maybe even it links to I- uh, identity politics gets mm. thrown around a lot, but this model of like a stage for everyone to get up and do that is is not sustainable, <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, and maybe we're just creating again the, the detritus of stories that just go, it's like this this flurry of stories that just just like get poured yeah. into the but sea. In,
3: in terms of the climate crisis, yes. it's important that we. As the humans decentralise ourselves, mm-hmm. or as powerful westerners decentralise ourselves, and start framing it in terms of this world, it, it it um is a lot. The world's going to be around a lot longer than we are. We are not the be all and the end all of this universe and Mm. it's really hard for us to get our heads around that but there are trees on this planet who have been here for generations and will continue Mm. to be here for generations and they're going to see this thing out so let's um, someone and something else that Dougal said was quoting someone else you're gonna have to look up all these references yourselves
0: Um, do the legwork listeners this
3: this is urgent we need to slow down this sense that time can write that can, down yeah it's really good right um <laughs> this is urgent we need to slow down so get a sense of perspective
0: natalie look out behind you a, a portal to a new imagined world has opened up <gasps> with it is that a literal thing or is that a metaphor that he talks about
3: No, I think arts organisations, I think it is a space where we can make our own communities and form our own rules. And what we always come back to on the Final Factory show is places where we can make our own spaces. And Mm. that is where you start living in the now and building good ruins. That's where that happens.
0: You know, what? I feel fine. Even though it's the end of the world.
3: Oh, should we finish on an absolute banger? This is R.E.M. and it's the end of the world.